Welcome to Call Us Mommy Podcast, where we get real about mom life, relationships, and careers. I'm Tiana, a single mom of three. And I'm Marielle, a married mom of four. We're both on a mission to empower you not to settle in any area of life. Okay, we're back with another episode of Call Us Mommy, and today we're going to be talking about the best part of motherhood, which is postpartum. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't know a lot about what postpartum was going to look like after you know, giving birth or that it was even a thing until you're experiencing it. And I feel like we're learning more and more that a lot of moms feel the same way, even now, even now that like postpartum is talked about a lot. So we thought this episode would be kind of good timing because if you don't know, Tiana is very pregnant and she is due in October. Um, And even though she's had postpartum and then we'll also go into kind of what we feared before we had babies and what we um, would advise, you know, new moms who are going through that process now. So Tiana, what, what, what were your postpartum experiences like? Yeah. So first I want to start by saying that every single pregnancy is different, um, for each person and each woman and each baby. And so not all of, all of this is going to look the same for you or did it look the same for Ariel and I either. So also I'm coming from a place of having three vaginal births. Um, so I had my first baby at barely 19 years old. And I feel like I went into it, like, at that point in my life, I thought I was, like, invincible. So, like, I think I went into it completely, like, fearless and, like, just ready to do it. Like, to do it. I think I'm going in with more fear now at 29 years old with my fourth than I did with my first. Experience will do that to you. (laughs) So, scared me the most that nobody told me about was shakes. Like, I got the shakes with... Every single one of them. And I'm not talking like, oh, you're like, you're cold and you're shaking a little bit. I'm talking like full blown, like my body is shaking and I can't stop. And I wish somebody would have told me that because I remember with my last one, looking at the nurses, like scared to death, like what is going on with my body? And with my last one, which is my third natural labor. So like I didn't have any epidural, which the first two I did. And so I think that maybe I just assumed that the epidural, the shakes went together. And so when I did it with no medicine and my body was shaking like uncontrollably worse than it did with the first two, I was like, I'm having a seizure guys help me. And they were like, it's fine. And I was freaked out. Like I literally was freaked out. I think that's the only thing that got Zared freaked out. He's so chill. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I could be bleeding out in front of him and he'd still be It'll be fine. You know, you're going to make it. I'll give her some blood. (laughs) But whenever I was shaking, I think he was like, hey, is everything okay? So yeah, that that definitely, I was not prepared for that either. Yeah. No, I wasn't, I I was not at all. And I'm kind of like high anxious anxiety anyway with my body. So Mm -hmm. for something to like start doing that and you literally, you have no control over it. But they did. I mean, I want to say they lasted like a couple hours after birth. I don't remember quite, but they did stop. I remember by the time I went to sleep, like they were gone, but your body is just very worn out. Yeah. And then afterwards, most of them were very similar. I did have, again, my babies, they were all within like two years apart. They were back to back besides baby number four right now. And my postpartums were all very, very similar. I did, luckily, I will say I never struggled with like postpartum. Um, depression, but I did struggle hard with postpartum anxiety. I actually had my very first, like what they were called nocturnal panic attacks. So it's a panic attack out of your sleep in the hospital um, night one with Mila. 
and I woke up I and my like vision was blurry. My heart was pounding. I pushed the button, called the nurse in, and I thought that I was like going blind because yeah. my vision was like off just because the pure fact that you just woke up mm-hmm. and it's taking your eyes a minute to adjust in the daylight. And so, but I thought something was wrong with me. And then the day that I only got to stay in the hospital with every single one of my babies for 24 hours, even though I found out most people stay 48 hours. Yeah. I don't know why, but I was sent home with my baby at mm-hmm. 24, after 24 hours. And then I remember the first like three days with Mila, every time like I would go out of the house, I was like high anxious, like thought people were like watching me. I thought like at one point I thought the car was moving when it wasn't moving. Like it's very like your mind is playing tricks on you. And my body was like, I could tell was just like on high alert 24 seven. Of course, like I had some like home life things that were also going on that I think probably impacted my postpartum periods majorly. But like I said, I have had OCD and been anxious since I was little. So for me to have postpartum anxiety was not shocking to me. Um, but it still is scary. And yeah, one thing that we've like talked about more recently is that it's like everything existing and then your conditions around, you know, your normal life, like pregnancy hormones and postpartum heightens all of that, but then it can also add things to it. So yes. like be aware of, of that. When I had my three kids, I had no therapy. Um, I did some marriage counseling, like toward, I want to say the end of Mila, but it wasn't like actual therapy of like how to cope with my own feelings, how to cope with things in my body and my emotional experiences. Now I'm going into it with like lots of years yeah. of therapy under my belt. And like the past couple years, I've actually worked on like how to manage like anxiety attacks, how to manage feeling anxious. And like, just like last night, I'm having like some major pregnancy insomnia, So I am up like all night long. And then when I do that, I start getting anxious thinking I'm like hearing noises. Guys, you're going to listen to this and be like, she's crazy. Um, Sometimes I think I am. But again, it's like anxiety and your hormones and all of these heightened senses of your cortisol levels being up and just like bothering you. And two, when I don't sleep, I'm not a great person. So when I'm not sleeping in the middle of the night, I'm just like, it makes me extra on the edge and like extra anxious. And so like last night I was even doing grounding techniques that I was taught. So my favorite one is like the butterfly technique. If you are not familiar with this and you have anxiety or you just want to be prepared for postpartum and if you have anxiety, I would look this up, but it is my favorite one and it put me right to sleep. I think I did it for five minutes. If that last night learning those things, I wish I was taught. I wish people would teach this in school. Like when you feel anxious, even before a test, like these are some grounding techniques to to get you to level out. Like not all, I I wouldn't say all works for one. There's so many out there though. Like if you just YouTube them, if you don't have money for therapy or even the time to go to therapy, then YouTube those things. But knowing those things in advance and also knowing that like your mind are constantly playing tricks on us because they're like, hey, that could hurt you. Hey, your your heart's pounding. You're having a heart attack. Mom, and then you like have this child that you're in charge of keeping alive it's like you're also going to be aware of all the outside threats for that child too yes yeah so we're just constantly and we're feel like especially as a mom we're constantly like looking at the things are like what could go wrong what could harm us what's gonna like what if we are taken off this planet like that was fears I always had and I want to say like if you do feel those and you think these things like definitely tell somebody 
tell your friends, tell a family member, definitely tell your doctor. Cause like, these are all things that should be discussed with somebody because yeah. you don't have to live in misery. Like if you don't know grounding techniques and you don't understand the way your body, why your body's like are feeling this way, tell somebody like even me, I'm texting her like, I can't sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't sleep last night. Yeah. We text each other all the time and say like, is like, even though we know it is, well, like we probably had the same conversations of like, is this normal? Or like one of our kids are doing it. Is this normal? Like, what do you think this is? And it's just like a nice reminder of like, Hey, like this is normal. We know this, like, here's what we can do. Like basically calming each other down. And like, I think that, yeah, that is so important to be able to talk to somebody, but also like be aware of who you're talking to. Cause yes, you no, know, I mean, I think a lot of millennials have like realized that maybe like the generation before us wasn't, they weren't educated on mental health, like at all. (laughs) So if we brought that up with them, I don't think they always knew how to navigate those conversations. And so a lot of it was treated with just like, oh, it'll be fine. Or like, you're fine. You know, was it in the fifties that women were prescribed the happy pill, which is like, I heard it as equivalent to like a Xanax basically, but like, it was like all women postpartum. That shit was part of the postpartum plan. Women got a happy pill. <laughs> Just go, go deal with this, move on. And now it's like, there's a lot more education and like things out there. My experiences varied a little bit for each one. Um, I've, I've had four kids and I always like to say that I have either been pregnant or nursing like I was for like 10 years. Well, really like 11 years straight. I don't know that breaks in between would have even helped because like there are studies that say postpartum can last up to six years. So it's kind of like, maybe for me, it was like, let's just get it. Let's just get it all done with so that I can like start working on that six years. Um, I have vaginal births with all four, an epidural with all four, and I was essentially induced with all four. But my my first one, um, my water technically broke, but it was like little like a pin sized hole. But I was on Pitocin with all four and that was pretty awful. And I had, um, my first and third and fourth babies at the same hospital. My, my second was at a women's hospital, um, in the town we were living in at the time. And it was just a completely different experience because obviously the whole hospital was dedicated to women. So there was like an entire wing, you know, not just a floor that was dedicated to, you know, women in like labor and delivery. So they had an anesthesiologist that was only doing epidurals. Versus like whenever you're in a general hospital, you'll get someone who could literally have just come from a surgery, you know, so you're going to need different amounts. I don't even know like what the terminology would be, but you would need different levels of, you know, whatever you're based on what you're doing. Like if you're in surgery, you need to be completely numb. (laughs) If you are giving birth, like you need to feel because you, your body, your body needs to know when to push. So with my second one, it was like, I still felt a lot of things, but it wasn't like in just a pain that took me out. And so I wish I would have known that, like that I could communicate. I mean, I I knew and I was, there was more, I feel like on social media about communicating with your doctor and like asking questions, but I was still very much in this like time, at least where I was, where it was like, you know, your doctor knew what was best for you. There was something specific you knew, just like, you know, you didn't even really have any questions to ask. So I didn't, I didn't have questions. No, I don't think that was like at fault for my doctor. I just didn't know. So I wish I would have known like, Hey, can we pace the epidural in a sense where like, I'm not getting completely numbed or, and maybe that, you know, that is their intention. It just happens that way. Or like, can we not do Pitocin? Like things like that. But because like, I naturally technically went into labor with my first one. 
Um, but it was so slow. They had to do the Pitocin to speed it up and then break my water. And it just like was miserable. So even if I wanted to do it completely natural, it was really hard because I did it for like four hours and I was about to just pass out. And the nurse was like, we'll probably just have to do a C-section if, you know, it continues this way because your body's going to like be too done to then push once the time comes. And so we ended up doing the epidural and then it like prolonged the labor like six hours because it slowed everything down. And I like, I think I even took a nap, you know? after having like the worst pain and everything in my life. So I just wish I had more education that was like not directed towards like, here's the fastest and easiest way to get you in and out of the delivery room. And I feel like that's what a lot of what we get now is because that is their goal is because, you know, to deliver a safe, you know, baby safe for the mother and then move on to the next one. I just wish I had more materials around it to Mm -hmm. like make the best decision and I feel like we have so much so much research out there now and people talking about it that you can make those decisions without even talking to your doctor and then going and talking to your doctor about a decision that you want to make. So I would just encourage you to research those things thoroughly. Like, don't just go off of one, like, holistic mom who's like, this is how I did everything. And like, you know, go research it in on all angles so that you really know, like, the information that you're taking in. I also um, love that you mentioned knowing that you can ask questions or kind of like, I wouldn't say challenge your doctors because like, I do trust my doctor. If I chose that doctor for a reason, I trust them and I, they are more knowledgeable, but I do like to question them like, okay, like, so we're upping my Pitocin. Is there a reason why we're upping my Pitocin right now? Or when I had Mila, that doctor probably came there eight times to pressure me into getting an epidural and I was showing no signs of distress. The baby was showing no signs of distress. So finally I like stood my ground. I was like, please don't ask me that again. Yeah. I'm fine. You, you know what you can do. You know what you are, your intentions are and what you've been working towards doing. You know, if you are planning on doing a natural birth, I hope that you're preparing for it. So like, you know, that you've prepared for that, (laughs) not just like going into the room being like, Hey, I think I could do this. So your doctor is basing it off of their experience of however women, many women, they've, you know, delivered babies. They're seeing these women who probably are coming in last minute and being like, actually, I think I want to try natural and like having no preparation and then it being like a really horrible experience and maybe sometimes even like dangerous. So they're basing it on what they believe is the, the best and like easiest way to get that baby out with everyone safe and healthy. And I'm sure that a lot of people disagree with that statement being like, okay, well, what they're doing isn't the safest and healthiest. Yeah. We like, we get it, you know, but <laughs> they, they're trying their best. So I think when you start asking questions and try to have a conversation, if they start pushing back, then maybe they're not your doctor. Like if they're not trying to have a conversation with you and they're just being defensive, maybe they're not your doctor, but mm-hmm. I don't think we need to like be disrespectful and be like, well, you know, nothing, even though like they went right. to like 3000 years of school and, you know, paid all this money to get that, you know, knowledge. And you read a few blog posts. So like, Make sure that you're having a conversation if you are basing it off of like other moms who are, you know, more homeopathic and things like that, have that open conversation with them. If they're completely close to holistic approaches, then that's, again, just not your doctor. Yes. That doesn't mean they don't know anything. It's just not their field of expertise. I love that. Like I told my doctor previously leading up that like, hey, this is a birthing plan, but also like I am for an epidural. So like if I need it, that it's going to be a backup plan. And so I did let her know those things. I think that she pressured me a little bit more was because I was in for an emergency induction for the safety of my my kidneys were shutting down and Mila was in distress. 
Yeah. So I think that she was thinking like, let's do this the easy as like possible. Yeah. Yes. But like I, if I could go back and redo my, my deliveries, I wish I could literally do that at, in ho- at home in like a blow up bathtub or whatever people do. Like, so I am the most like, let's go the holistic direction. I'm just saying that even when we go that direction, unless you've been certified, like done training, whatever, like your doctor still probably knows a little bit more than you. They just might not know about the holistic approaches, but they do know the dangers of like, if that went wrong, basically is what I'm trying to say. So yeah. So having said all that, I just wish that I would have pushed back a little bit and also had more people telling me their experience. Like my mom didn't really, she's like, I don't really remember. Like this is kind of what happened, you know? Um, and then the only like memory I have, cause my brother was born seven years later was she, like, I was there for her whole, like, like laboring and everything. And then we left the room obviously for the delivery and then came back. But during the laboring, I had to leave the room while she got the epidural. And so I remember like seeing her right before the epidural leaving and then coming back. And like, I don't think this is common, but like for some reason, when she got her epidural, she had blood like all over her sheets from the epidural. And so I just had this in my mind that like, yeah, as a kid here, like an epidural can paralyze you, blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. So I was just like terrified of the epidural. So I just wish I had talked to more people about their birthing experiences, I think. Um, and I think that would have like prepped me for things like, like I didn't eat at all the day of because I was told I shouldn't, but they said that I could have a smoothie. So I had a smoothie earlier in the morning and then a bunch of ice chips. And I just like threw it all up, like while literally pushing the baby out. <laughs> That's awful. So just stuff like that, that like, could happen so that when it's happening or like the shakes, you're not like, is this okay? Like, am I dying? Because I don't think that in the moment, the nurses and doctor are like, oh, let me make sure you understand what's happening. So you're not going to freak out. They're just working on making sure that like, okay, you have the shakes, like let's cover her with some warm blankets, what, you know, they're trying to resolve the situation. So yeah, I just wish I would have researched all that more. And then also carry that into postpartum because- Hey there, it's Tiana. I remember after I had my first baby, I was planning on going back to work for three days a week as a dental assistant. My baby was going to a grandparent's house, so I really didn't feel like I had anything to worry about, but I was sad that I was going to miss some of the moments. I even remember getting text messages from her, and she was like, look at his little toes, the first time touching grass, and all of these little moments. I was so happy that he was in a safe environment and that I was able to have some income coming in, but I was sad that I was missing those moments as a first-time mom. So by the time I had my second baby, I had came across the virtual assistant world, which opened so many doors up for me. I went back to work three months postpartum with her, with my first client working 20 hours a week, but I was able to nurse her as I was working, and that felt so powerful to be able to feel like I was in control of my motherhood and career. And if you're like me and you're getting those text messages of these little moments that you're missing, or maybe you're about to have your first baby and you're like, I don't want to get those text messages, but you're looking for something else, click the link below to our first steps intro class into the virtual assistant world on how you can get started. This is exactly why Ariel and I founded Laptop and Littles. So we could teach moms that there is so much more out there. You can be a mom. You can have a career. You can do both. As a virtual assistant, as a freelancer, so that I could be controlled of that not happening in the future. And so there was like a, a month of me getting everything in place. And then I went directly on maternity leave. And I feel like there was a lot of like excitement and peace during that time because I did like find something that I really enjoyed doing. And I had control over it. And it was like, oh, I got this all set up after this, like, you know, horrible letdown of, you know, being 
you know, let off, but then I'm making more money and I have more control and then I'm going on maternity leave and it's in my control. So that was all good. But, and I think that shows that really, you know, it doesn't matter what your situation is with postpartum anxiety and depression. It's going to, it's going to hit you. It's going to hit you. So I experienced anxiety, but like more depression during that. And I, again, think that it could have been to just being away from family and friends with this one. So I didn't have like as much of a village, you know, I was very isolated. I felt like super lonely at this point. And we were trying to get back home. Once I got back, I think it got a little bit better, but I think the anxiety just like carried on. And then we like, it was like one thing after another, like Sarah got a job and then we got this house and then we were like trying to renovate it. But then whenever we kind of finished that, like we got this other house that like was going to be our dream home, but it had needed complete renovations. And I just had Josephine. So my third, and I was still struggling with anxiety and we had this house and this renovation, but like we were living in one room, no kitchen. Like it was, I mean, obviously very privileged to be able to do that, but it was six months of no kitchen with like three kids, one being basically a newborn and all this anxiety. And so I started having panic attacks every day and it actually took Tiana to be like, those are panic attacks. And like, I think you need to like see maybe someone, <laughs> like you shouldn't go through that every day. And I lost a lot of weight. And I remember thinking at the time, like, oh, wow, I lost all my baby weight. <laughs> but it was that wasn't what was happening. It was just I was too anxious to retain anything. So that's when I think I first realized, okay, I think I have maybe just like generalized anxiety, but definitely postpartum has heightened this. And then with Esme, it turned way more into like postpartum depression where I was experiencing like suicidal thoughts and had probably the best year that, you know, in my life that I'd had in a long time with Tiana and I starting, you know, our company and everything, but I was just struggling a lot. I think hormonally, you know, I turned 30, so I wasn't like in my early twenties anymore having babies where I do think your body can bounce back a little bit easier, but I'm also starting to like experience different hormone changes just naturally as I'm aging, but then going through this fourth baby and postpartum and having had three, ba- you know, just it's a lot, I think for your baby, your, for your body to adjust to. And I think my body was finally just like, Hey, we're kind of done with this. Can we rest for a little bit? And it's so time I'm to retire <laughs> yeah, from a lot of burnout and just, uh, just a lot. And so I think the suicidal thoughts were what kind of made me be like, okay, something needs to change. So I just pursued a little bit more therapy, more than just like, let's be self-aware and like watch these videos and stuff. Um, I tried to cut back on like working and stuff and I don't know really what I'm, we stopped, I stopped drinking and mm-hmm. alcohol. Like I was drinking wine, you know, casually, frequently. I don't know. Can we just say it was also COVID times. So we were, yeah. the whole world yeah. shut down during the time that you were dealing with postpartum with the last one. Yeah. So I think it was like a lot of things that had been like stacked, you know, for a mm-hmm. while and kept stacking. And then I think maybe just like the last postpartum period kind of made everything topple down. And then this is what Esme's three, she'll turn four in October. And this is the first probably last few months that I felt fairly like normal and back to like balanced. And of course I'll have times of the month because I am a woman that I'm like, I feel a little bit off Mm -hmm. more than others. And I'm still fighting, like trying to figure out my hormones and some issues that are going on, but they're more like, okay, in the age that I'm in and having had four kids, this is what I'm dealing with. And less like what's going on in my head. Like, why can't I control it kind of thing? Right. So I think just also knowing that I, I think I wish I would have known that postpartum one was a thing like mm-hmm. that you might experience some changes and difficulties, but also that it can last 
more than just a year. Like I breastfed with all my girls for 18 months and everyone was like, oh, well, when you're done breastfeeding, you'll feel so much better. And you do, you feel like there's this weight lifted off of you of like, okay, I don't have to, I'm not like a walking, you know, like vending machine, basically. Uh, I mean, you basically still are, but in a different way. And you're not as exhausted. You're getting, you know, a little more sleep and all that. You're but keeping still, the nutrients to yourself. You're not giving them yeah. to other people. But still, like your body is is still going through changes. And like I said, and I'll try to find some links to maybe put in the, um, I read up to six years, which is like crazy to me that it can take six years for your body to like completely recover from that. Especially because we live in a society that's like, oh, you're back. yeah, you have your six weeks check in and, you know, you're good to like, bone do your thing whatever <laughs> you know like <laughs> for the 80s with that one <laughs> yeah, like that's too much I feel like that's just and obviously like if you are working a nine to five you're probably being told that you only have six weeks maybe even two weeks um if you're, you're back at it that's three months you know to get back at it in which for me I feel like three months was good but I also work from home so I'm not going I wasn't going back to like leaving my child at daycare and then going into an office you know it was it was a very easy transition for me um, to be able to do that so I I cannot imagine even having three months and going back into an office though I don't think that our society is set up to support moms at all and we can't do anything about that and we can't do anything about it in time to have children in our lifetime. So I think the best thing to do is just be aware that that's what it's like and sort of prepare yourself. And if you can prepare like your lifestyle and your career and your village and things like that too. Yeah. And we're not like doing this podcast episode to scare like new moms or someone who has not yet had a baby, but to more like normalize it because just like Ariel said, she had suicidal thoughts. I know when I had my, honestly, all three, when I went in for my six week checkup, they give you this little bitty, like, you know, like three questionnaire or whatever it is now. I was afraid to actually say this. Yeah. Yes. I was afraid afraid to survey. So you're not even answering, like, it's not open-ended. And I think the last question, at least, I mean, I'm sure it's different with each office, but like with mine, it was like the last question, like, have you thought about harming yourself, like, or others? And I was like, I mean, yeah, but like, not right this second. Like, I feel pretty good. I'm not like in a constant state of like, Mm -hmm. let me, you know, plan this out. Mm -hmm. So I think because, you know, you're comparing it to that. And then also you hear stories of women, like actually sharing that they're having those yes. thoughts. And, and I was like, scared. That's why I was like, well, I don't want to say that I'm having all this anxiety because like, what if they take my kids away? I wish they would be more open. Like, it's okay. Like, this is a safe place. You can let me know you're feeling these things and then let me help you. And so I love that, like, we can actually share this and we're comfortable enough to be able to share these things, like with, you know, all of our listeners But if you are feeling these things, like know that one, like it is okay. You are normal because that is my thing is like when I start feeling like the bouts of like high anxiety and anxiousness, I'm like, something's wrong with me. I'm not okay. Like I'm not going to live the rest of my life. Like I'm going to die. Like I start having all of these like insane thoughts and I wish, wish, because now I do. I have people tell me like Ariel will tell me I I have my therapist on call. Like I'm like, hey, what's up? (laughs) Where are you at? She's in Mexico. (laughs) That's funny. Can you come home, please? Um, And I let her know, like, hey, I'm feeling these things. And she's like, it's okay. Like, these are hormonal changes. Mm-hmm. And giving yourself, like, if you're like me and you have health anxiety, giving it, like, an answer of why you're feeling those things, yeah. like, it's hormonal. My okay. hormones are shifting. I'm feeling this because it's hormonal. Does that mean you don't need to go get, like, maybe you need medicine. Maybe you need therapy. That does not mean that. But assigning a label to it, it helps me mentally. I don't know why. Maybe because I need answers for everything. There's a difference between saying, oh, 
it's hormonal. Don't yeah. worry about it. Or it's this season of life. Don't worry about it because that doesn't, it's the same as like saying like, whenever you have little kids and you're in the trenches of that being like, oh, you're going to miss it one day. Well, like, that's fine. But I'm not in that time. I'm not over this. I'm suffering. <laughs> so like, if you say, you know, hey, I think it might be your hormones, like your pregnancy is intensifying everything, you know, your hormones are changing, it's intensifying very valid and real feelings and emotions and experiences. But just know that this isn't going to be forever kind of thing. And like, but don't leave it at that. Like you still have to help yeah. the person you're around and yourself to say like, okay, but what are some things I can do in this, in this moment that I'm in right now where I am feeling like these things are very real because they are, but even if they are because of hormones or whatever, mm-hmm. like how can I get myself out of the spiraling that's happening? Just if you start to experiencing experience these things, combat them. Because I definitely think that like having at least one person around you that definitely. can help you walk through them or like pull you out of a hole is, is like probably the best thing that you can do for yourself. And then also having your partner, if you are married or with someone like very aware of what's going on, um, having them be your voice, like with your families and and things like that. Cause I know like whenever you have a new baby, sometimes families are very respectful of your boundaries or just like what I would view as common sense and some are not. So some will expect you, Oh, you're home from the hospital. Well, you need to go see, you know, whoever they really want to see the baby and they can't get out of the house or, um, when are you going to come over so I can see that baby, whatever, like, no, you don't need to be doing any of that unless you just like really want to. And it's because you want to, and not because you want to please someone yeah. you don't need to be doing that. Like you need to put your butt in a chair, mm-hmm. like love on the baby, whatever you want to do, but like, you should not be doing that because other people are expecting it of you. Yeah. But I also don't think, you know, if you have the privilege of having someone else step up for you, you should not be the one having those conversations. So if you have a family that expects that, prepare your partner to have those conversations for you. So you don't have the added stress of like having to, to combat that. I will say that is something that I appreciate that I had, I did from like literally baby number one is I had really strong boundaries of what was happening at the hospital. Like who was going to be in there, what my postpartum was going to look like, enjoyed my baby and are my babies, I should say. And yes, I shared them. Only one of them. Only have one. <laughs> no. and and yes I shared them but I shared them on like me and baby's terms so Mm -hmm. how you know how is baby doing is baby adjusting is baby feeding how is how am I like feeling as you know mentally as a mom and as a new mom and all of these things going on I think again society puts a lot of pressure on women to have a baby jump back into society and do all do all the things like they did before so if you are feeling those things and you're like, okay, like I, I don't feel like sharing, but I feel rude. Know that it's okay. And you have to do what is best for you and baby. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Call Us Mommy podcast. If you want to spend more time with us, make sure to hit follow. And if you like the episode, share with a friend and leave a review. 